I am fear. I am terror. I'm also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Whoa! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about if you have time? I can tell you that it is a podcast about that kind of uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Interviews with friends and people. People who worked on the show. Podcast, podcast, Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the legendary 1990s cartoon Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, ArkhamSingles.com, a dating service for the absolutely desperate. Today we'll be digging into my all-time favorite Scarecrow episode, Never Fear. It's also the first new Batman Adventures episode I've tackled on the podcast, and it's a great place to start. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking with my buddy and an amazing comedian and insightful bat fan, Brett Bayonne. He'll be saying things like this. It sounds like the rapture is coming because Jonathan (laughs) Crane is here and he has a big stick. Then I'll sit down with the voice of the scarecrow himself, actor Jeffrey Combs, who will say stuff like this. I remember my choice was like a little more of a raspy kind of a voice because maybe his larynx had been crushed at some point in his becoming the scarecrow but first it's a shameless plug guys uh i have another podcast maybe you've heard of it it's called before you were funny and today this very day that this episode releases you can go online and watch a web series that we created for funny or die based off of our podcast uh it's half live action half animated go to funnyordie.com look up before you were funny it's probably on their front page if you're looking at it today the day this episode releases and I'm really proud of it. I'd really love for you to see it, check it out, share it around. It features Kristen Schaal, who you might know from Gravity Falls or Bob's Burgers or The Last Man on Earth, uh, Paul Shear from Adult Swim's NTSF SDSUV, Andy Daly from Comedy Central's Review. Check it out. It's great. I'm really proud of how it came out, and I just want you guys to see it. So go to funnierdie.com and check out Before You Were Funny. Before You Were Funny. Before You Were Funny. Before You Were Funny. Maybe if I say it another time, you'll remember it. Before You Were Funny. Wow, and I thought I had a long plug. Oh, hey, Kevin Conroy bot. Do you get it? Because I'm a robot that needs to be plugged in. Yeah, I got it. Then you were plugging a show. Yeah, I I understood the joke. It was very boring. Yeah, remind me to disable your brutal honesty later. Yes, Justin. Anyway, I would like you to meet some new friends I made inside your closet while you were plugging. Hello! They are a couple of mice who live here, and they want to help out. Wait, you guys live in my closet? Yes, we live in your dirty old closet. It is dirty and old, which is perfect for a mouse. Okay, it is not dirty and old. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't. Okay, I'm not going to argue with a mouse. Do you guys want anything, or are you just here to make fun of where I record my podcast? We want to help set the nerd levels for today's show. Today's Today's nerd nerd level level is... 
too scary. No, thank you. Too scary. Okay, that's not really helpful. I mean, I usually set the nerd level of the show so the audience can get an idea of how nerdy a discussion they're in for. Oh, they are in for too scary. The man who was the crow, the scary crow, this man, he was scary. Wait, how much did you guys watch? With eyes open? Yeah, with your eyes open. Okay, you know the part with the music in the beginning? Yeah, the opening credits? That part we watched eyes open. The rest was too scary. Okay, it's pretty clear you guys didn't watch the episode, but thank you for stopping by. And thank you for keeping your closet so old and dirty. Wow, and I thought I had a long plug. Okay, all of you, get out of here. That was a callback. I I need to move on with the show. Because I said it before. Repeating something out of context is not a callback. Okay, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Gavin Gonroybot. <sighs> Alright, where were we before the robots and mice stopped by? Today's episode, Never Fear. That's right, Never Fear. Written by Stan Berkowitz. Directed by Kenji Hachizaki. Music by Shirley Walker. Animation by TMS. And boy, does it look good. In this episode, the Scarecrow gets a creepy new redesign for the new Batman adventures and a new talent, removing people's fear rather than manipulating it. It's a tightly woven and well-boarded story that uses its villain to show us exactly why Batman exercises restraint. Also, I gotta say that Matthew Valencia, who voices Robin, really nails it. This episode hinges on some terse and dramatic two-person scenes, and he really rises to the occasion. Not to mention Kevin Conroy, who kills it per usual. But it's not all arguing with a cranky Batman, you guys. I mean, you've got a cool Batplane sequence. You've got some creepy self-help seminars. Bruce Wayne plays dress-up. He fights some giant crocodiles. The Scarecrow has long arms. It's creepy. Which leads me to the first interview. Today's fan, Brett Bayonne. Brett and I met each other doing sketch comedy in college and instantly bonded over Batman the Animated Series. He is an insanely talented improviser and comedian and writer and just one of my all-around favorite people. So, without further ado, let's get to that interview. theme song for that static shock i don't remember the theme song. superhero static shock is it really that awful i think so it was you know it was like a show that i watched because i wanted to see the crossovers really yeah so you watched the whole thing in order to watch the crossover i watched a few of them because i was like oh this is in the dc universe but i watched it because (laughs) I, i knew there was a superman crossover there was a batman crossover so you're saying you watched it after the fact, knowing that these crossovers had already occurred? I think I started watching it as it was, just because it was like, oh, a new show in the DCAU, sort of, like Zeta Project. But, but I was like, oh, these are both, these are kind of bad. Oh, the Zeta, I remember being physically upset. Physically upset every time Zeta Project would come on. Uh, even though, I think like the main agent bad guy of that show was bottled after What's-His-Face, if I'm not... If I'm not mistaken, who was the guy that they modeled Weather Wizard after on Superman? He's an actor. Like I modeled the like the, the facial features off I of sw- the actor who voiced him. I don't know. It may be the actor that voiced him. It may not be. Uh, this may be complete conjecture, but I feel okay. You know who it was? 
You ever see Robo? Of course you've seen Robocop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Bob Morton? The yes. guy who I'm got- saying, yeah, no, I don't. Oh. <clears throat> Bob Morton was the character that got blown up by Clarence Boddicker. Like, he was like, had the prostitutes and the cocaine, and he was having a party. Here comes Red from that 70s show into his apartment and, like, puts a grenade in his ashtray. And yeah. And he blows up. That guy, that actor, uh, I feel like looks just like Weather Wizard. So you think they modeled Weather Wizard after him? Possibly. I like to buy into that story. <laughs> These and more Batman conspiracies. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm sitting here with Brett Bayonne. He's another old friend of mine. He's, man, we, we've bonded so much over Batman. It's true. We, uh, we are of one mind when it comes to the bat. Yeah, we share a brain, so we're just going to be speaking in unison the entire time. We speak in unison, but it's in tongues, so yeah. good luck with that. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> so I wanted to bring you in to talk about Never Fear. Yeah. Because it's the first new Batman Adventures episode. Okay. Yeah, that I've done oh, on the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah, I was like, hmm. Not in general. No, no, no. Holiday <laughs> Nights was <laughs> the first one. Right, right. Uh, but Never Fear is the first one that I've covered. Right. Uh, so I, I just wanted to talk to you about it because I feel like it gets a bad rap. You mean the new Batman adventures in general? In general. I feel like people, especially who started watching with Batman the Animated Series, are like, well, once they redesigned it, I was off board. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people care, seem to care a lot about uh, design and aesthetic qualities. And I, you know, I do too. We all do. But in my opinion, the quality of the storytelling is still so excellent on that show. Like, I couldn't care less what it looked like. I also think the design still looks really good. It's just a different look. It's, it's a Agreed. little less fluid and rubbery, I'd say. But even some of the design changes are for the better. Specifically Scarecrow. Specifically Scarecrow. So, yeah, this iteration of Scarecrow is scary as hell. Oh, for sure. Like, the previous one with, uh, what's his name, uh, Pollock, was like... A little yellow brick roadie, you know what I mean? And still nice, like cool, and could be kind of creepy. Yeah, he was a larger than life personality, <laughs> but it was very much like a stagey version of the scarecrow. Like, I am super villain, capital S exclamation point at the end of that word. <laughs> it's true. And then when they brought the new scarecrow design in, this thing is really creepy, and they knew it. Like, um, I think this episode, obviously, this was the first appearance of him, but I'm pretty sure when they redesigned his look, they also gave him a redesigned theme. Uh, I was noticing in this episode, like, he has this, like, really creepy, every time he's on screen, this druidic, uh, um, (laughs) yeah, it sounds like the rapture is coming, because (laughs) Jonathan Crane is here, and he has a big stick. Hey, let's not let that guy into the room, I think he brings the rapture with him. (laughs) Pay no attention to that, (laughs) just, just forget it, I just want, I just want to go to the dentist, you know, uh, yeah, even the scarecrow needs to go to the dentist. (laughs) It's true. Um, but I love it. Uh, they knew, I think they knew what they were doing. They're like, this guy, you know, he's the embodiment of fear for our show in a show that's like about fear. So he needs to be really, really extra creepy. Yeah. I think their backstory for him, which never got to, I don't think it's mentioned ever in the series itself, but it was some interview with Bruce Tim or Paul Dini or, you know, one of the people behind the show. Mm-hmm. But I think they were talking about the, the idea was that he has that noose around his neck, right? It's like a snapped noose is actually hanging around his neck. It's like the idea that like he was hung and then after he died like it snapped off or something and he Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty damn dark. <clears throat> I've never what? I'm butchering like w- the the correct details. So I'm basically telling you uh, a story that wasn't mentioned in the show and not getting the details correct, but I think it was a much darker backstory. It's like the adventure time like yeah, this is after the apocalypse, but we're never going to mention that. Right. But I've never heard that <clears throat> version of his backstory before. You're saying they came up with that for the show? Yeah. Kind of how they uh, reimagined uh, Doc, uh, Mr. Freeze's uh, backstory? 
Almost, but I think with Mr. Freeze's backstory, we saw it with the Scarecrows. You never see it, and it's probably right. too dark. Right. It was. I think it was an interview <clears throat> on Toon Zone that I read back when this show was more relevant. Oh, wow. Wait. So that implies that there's some sort of like super, almost supernatural factor to the scarecrow yeah i mean i wonder if it was a supernatural thing or almost like lore or like a horror tale like maybe that was his story but like nobody knows if that's what happened to Mm, him i see i really should have gotten the details down before uh, throwing out some trivia (laughs) you're just throwing out conjecture yeah did you also know that jonathan crane uh started as a cat get out of here that makes a lot of sense no his yeah i'm glad that you're on board for that (laughs) but you know now that you mention it um when i was watching the episode I noticed that you know obviously he has a mask on, but his hands are like the only part. Does of he have a mask on? <laughs> Please, no. That's got to be a mask. No, I don't think it is. Do you can see you can see like frills below his neck that look like the end of a mask. So either that's like I a mask, or he that. has the worst case of psoriasis I've ever seen. I always you know? felt like he was just like like this version of the scarecrow. We did not know if he was dead or alive. Like that was kind of the way he. Looked. I love that idea. And what I was gonna say was that I noticed his hands are like very very pale, like very decayed looking. Yeah, he needs to go to a doctor, but everybody runs away because the rapture is following. <laughs> he can't even hear his name called over the PA because oh, we called you, Jonathan Crane. <laughs> I love it, man. But I think the new Batman adventures, I mean, I think what people didn't like is change overall. And maybe, maybe also, maybe people liked the more personal stories. I think that what came with the new Batman adventures was, were bigger stories. We had the whole Bat family in there. So the scope of what they were fighting was usually larger. Like, even the beginning of Never Fear starts with such a huge set piece. Like, there's the guy swinging (coughs) through the air, uh, the guy who was exposed to the Never Fear toxin. And uh, they have to, like, Batman and Robin have to stop, like, a giant piece of neon (laughs) sign billboard from crashing (coughs) down below. That's like a Superman That's exactly what I thought when watching this. Uh, when they pull their uh, bat grapple cords in order to tighten it. I was like, this feels like a Superman, something Superman It's much stop. bigger. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's okay for them to do every now and then. Like you said, I agree. I think what a lot, what a lot of people didn't like was change. Because, you know, Batman the Animated Series, even at the time, was very popular. It was kind of a sacred cow. You know what I mean? And when the tiniest thing changed, I think people railed against it. And I think a bit unnecessarily. Like I'm not. I'm not here to just like completely say, "Hey, the the new adventures are awesome." I love. I, they are awesome. I think they are. I think some of the stories are, are smarter. I think they're a little more tightly written by the end. Absolutely, dude. The new adventures gave double us double talk over the edge. They give us over the edge. Like arguments over. <laughs> they gave us over the edge. Arguments you know? over the edge. It, mm. You wrap uh, <laughs> you my bit. comedy. <laughs> Comedy's over. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think it's a bit unfair the way people uh, think about the the new adventures, but uh, like you said, that led to so many good things. Led to Batman Beyond. It led to Justice League. You know, and that's anything that can lead to those things can't be bad. I guess the redesign that I don't like is the Joker. I think that's the one thing I bump against. And I, I, I've come to accept him, uh, but I kind of liked his Batman Beyond Return of the Joker flashback version or the Justice League yeah, version. Yeah, kind of an amalgamation of the two. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a better redesign. I agree. Yeah, I didn't like the Joker's design as much. But honestly, once again, anybody that's like, I'm not going to watch because Joker looks different. Like, that's a bit much for me. you know. Yeah. And I know some of it, you know, a lot of us were kids back then. Yeah, so, so maybe it was just like becoming a teenager. 
<laughs> Maybe that's what it was. It was like, I'm a teenager now and I hate everything. Right. Change? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. no, I'm horny and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Pamela Isley looks different. Now what do I think about when I masturbate furiously in the kitchen? Oh, <laughs> the rapture. That's what I think about. <laughs> yeah, just think about the rapture when I jack it. Oh boy! So never fear. Let's let's talk about it. Let's dig yeah. in. So, what do you love about this episode? This episode is, uh, I think, unique for two different reasons. Number one, because I think it's not so much a plot-based episode; it's more of a character piece, uh, specifically between the relationship between Bruce and Tim, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Like you said uh, previously, uh, a lot of these episodes, as everyone knows, a lot of these Batman the animated series episodes are uh, villain-centric, and that what we see are the arcs of the villains. Or of even the uh, everyday people in Gotham. Batman rarely changes, and we rarely examine him or his relationships. This episode is different. Although it's kind of a tertiary examination of his relationship with Tim, it's still there. The other thing that I think is different and unique about this episode is... Crap. I forgot what I was going to say. There were two things, man. I can only handle one thing at a time. All right, all right. I'll give you some time. All right, thank you. No, no, no. Uh, But we can talk about that first thing. Uh, yeah, it's about relationships, which I think is cool. I remember the second thing. Okay, go for it. The then sec- we'll backtrack to the first thing. You got it. The second thing is that this episode is awesome because we get to see what happens when you take Batman to the extreme. Yes. When he becomes an extreme version of himself. And I think that ties into what you were saying in the first part of it. It's about a relationship between him and Tim, and it's because of him being pushed to the edge. Agreed. It's kind of like... The idea of like, well, why? what happens if Batman would kill? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you don't want that. Yeah, you don't want no fucks given Batman. You don't, nobody wants that. A lot of people say that. You know, you talk to people, say, like, I don't know why he just doesn't shoot the Joker. And it's like, if Batman were shooting people, he would have, he would be Lex Luthor. He would have taken over the world. He's that powerful. (laughs) There's no difference between him and Luthor. He's got a bunch of money. He's making a bunch of gadgets that could kill people. He's the most intelligent, you know. He'd be a terrible, terrible person. And I think that's kind of the point. Batman kind of already is a terrible person. He's terrible at personal relationships. Uh, He doesn't know how to relate to people. And he kind of doesn't even want to. But we relate to him and we like him because he's so noble. But when you remove that nobility... He's nothing more than a real scumbag, you know? And I think that's kind of where this this episode is pushing it. And then it was a real good escalation with it, too. Like, the moment this dude gets here with the, hit with the fear gas from the gun, which was a great moment, because I remember when, um, scare, like, he wakes up in a zoo. Batman fights a giant pack of crocodiles. They're really huge. They're, they're enormous. A, they're I, dino crocs, for sure. They're megalocrocs. If you don't like this iteration of Batman, I don't know what's wrong with you. We have giant crocodiles fighting Bruce Wayne in, you know, his worst disguise, as always. <laughs> Matches Malone. Puts a mustache on. He was cl- that Matches Malone? I assume it was, right? I'd like to think it was Matches Malone. Hey, it's me. I, I was just looking around Right. For stuff. It's the voice. You're right. But, yeah, this dude, like, it, it escalates where this dude just murders a crocodile. Now, I don't know if he were in that situation before getting here with the fear gas. Maybe he would murder. I don't know what his policy on animals is, is my, is my point. I saw him strangle a shark in the laughing fish, but I think it's still lived okay we saw blood in this episode that croc is dead (laughs) all of those crocodiles were dead remember done one of it's like such a badass moment we see batman just you know or bruce wayne in a pool full of crocodiles go under thrashing blood rises with the the rapture sound 
Yeah. You know, little Jeffrey comes, welcome to the food chain. Oh, so good. He yeah, walks dude. away, and then it's Bruce who comes out. And the way they the- shoot him, the, the way the shot is framed, they show Bruce walking out like a monster. Yes, he emerges from the lake like a creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, dude. And then that's kind of what's really, once again, what's really cool about the episode is if if you take away Batman's limits, he becomes the monster. Yes, he becomes the villain. It's it's Batman's limits that are keeping him in check and make him a hero. Right. And which get explored later on when Robin recognizes that. This is such a tightly written episode. It's real simple plot-wise, and I think that's the beauty of it. It's not about the plot. What does he want? Scarecrow wants money? I don't know. Who cares? You know, yeah, Scarecrow, essentially, they're like, hey, let's make him look cool. Let's make him sound cool. But really, he's just going to be a device to do a cool Batman episode. Absolutely. And the moment, undoubtedly the best scene in the episode, undoubtedly, is when uh, they're on the rooftop and Tim takes him down. Absolutely. Robin... Mm -hmm. And and the way it's revealed, too, like, Batman gets, you know, not like there was any doubt in your mind when you see, like, Batman and Robin grapples around Batman. Right. Batman and Robin grapples. You know, the the rope. Grapple rope. (laughs) That's what it's called. Grapple rope. Grapple rope. It's made of grapes, apples, and rope. Ooh, nutritious. Are you kids enjoying your grapple rope? Yes, Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) What is he doing here? (laughs) Get out of here, Jonathan Crane. Get out of this fake commercial in the middle of a podcast. I'm sorry. I was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's such a cool moment when, you know, Robin basically ties up Batman and detains him because he's out of control. Mm -hmm. And it also made Robin cool. Like, they actually had some moments in this episode where you were like, all right, I could get on board a 12-year-old running around fighting with Batman. Hey, man, he karate chops uh, some handcuffs. And it's one of the funniest moments. He karate chops the handcuffs and he's like, ow! Very Jackie Chan-esque. Like, you do cool martial arts things, but then you show what would actually happen. Like, this is funny. I love it. You know, in the middle of an episode that's, like, pretty damn serious, pretty damn melodramatic, pretty Mm -hmm. damn scary, Mm -hmm. uh, you just have that little moment of comedy where, like, yeah, you know, if you were a kid and you karate chopped some metal, it would hurt your hand. Absolutely. It's great. But that scene on the rooftop, another reason why I really like this episode is because it, it just beautifully portrays another facet of Batman's skills which don't get highlighted that often. Like, we see him as a detective, we see him as a martial artist, so on and so forth. But Batman is a beautiful actor. And we see that in Matches Malone, and we see it on that rooftop scene. Interesting. Oh, yeah, that really creepy moment. Like, no, you're right, Robin. I'm sorry. I'm out of control. You You were right to tie me up. And there's this shot where they're talking. Okay, it's really well shot, Hey, walk me through it. Yeah, he, we already went over how he ropes him up. Batman falls to the ground. At that point, we see Batman in a position of vulnerability that we rarely see him. And the only person that we can believably put him in that position is his own, you know, protege. Mm-hmm. So Robin's there, and he's standing over Batman. Now Robin has the upper hand. <clears throat> As Batman begins to convince Robin, I'm okay. You can let me go. You'll be the boss on this. Robin one. is moving. He's stepping forward as if he's going to let him go. As he's stepping forward, there's this shot of them both in silhouette. Red sky in the background, and the moon is perfectly between the two of them, and it kind of shows how their status now is perfectly even for a moment, and as Robin starts to step to him, and he goes, you almost convinced me, and he starts to walk away, and that's when Robin finally takes the uh, the upper status hand, you know, and he he's in charge His theme now. song kicks in, dun, 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 Beautiful. dun. 
And then was that Jurassic Park? I don't know. Well, it was. I was trying to do the Robin, the Tim Drake Robin theme. It turned I'm Tim to... Drake now. <laughs> I am Robin <laughs> and I'm cool. Uh, I am a twelve-year-old who runs a <laughs> rap fighting crime. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Rapture Park. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you say you have a twelve-year-old? <laughs> we have a twelve-year-old. We have a twelve-year-old. <laughs> He, um, uh, it's great though because that moment, like I said, shows you really great Batman acting. Ooh, and we have that untie me, you little. Yeah, oh. he's gonna kill him. He's scary. Batman is scary in this one. Terrifying, man. Terrifying. The fact that he's willing to unleash on a child, he's got a little bit of that Harvey Dent rage in him. Oh yeah, he's just better at controlling it most of the time. You know. Well, I think one of the cool things, uh, you know, so Batman is unhinged. He's not afraid to kill people. Like you know, he does that old dangle a goon over you know, a balcony. Mm. Uh, but this time he's like, okay, cool. I got my information and he is just going to let him drop. Yeah. But one of, I, there are little things in this episode aside from like, you know, flying the bat plane around dangerously. <laughs> when he's, through the danger zone. That's what should have been over that scene. Yeah. I don't know why they couldn't get the rights to that for that one sequence. It's weird. Sorry. We, sorry. On. We blew the budget, Mr. Tim. <laughs> Mr. Tim, it's me, the assistant music guy on the show. We blew the budget on highway <laughs> to the danger zone. Well, I guess there's only going to be four frames of animation for the third act. Okay. Wow. Sounds like it'll be a good episode anyway. Should have gone with Shirley Walker. Her music is much better. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, little they showed little ways of him. Well, little way like when he walks, when Batman finally does catch up to the Scarecrow in that final sequence where he's going through the train, mm. and uh, he he does that thing where like you know usually Batman will walk through a place and there are usually goons hiding or there are henchmen who are ready to like clock him, and Batman does the famous like without looking punch. Yes, Batman without fear gets taken by surprise. He walks through a doorway. The guy jumps on him. Of course, Batman still takes him down, mm. but there's that little moment where it's like there's a difference. Like, Batman's not afraid of anything, so he's not even thinking or planning around the, the fact that, like, there could be anybody hiding behind a door. That's a really good point, actually. And I remember that shot where he's walking through the, uh, the car of the train, and I'm like, oh, here it comes the moment where he doesn't look, and he, like, does the backhand and knocks the dude out without looking, but it didn't come. Yeah. And I think you're right. That may have been a, a cool reason for that, was that he just didn't care. He didn't have the fear. Yeah, there was no reason for him to even think about it. Yeah. Uh, that that shot where he's strangling the scarecrow. Oh, is, my God. It's terrifying. And guess what? I agree. The scarecrow is a gross, horrible person, but I felt bad for him in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you should. You know, we grew up with Batman, and we, you know, hopefully one of the things as we uh, we watch the show, and we don't necessarily have to believe in all of Batman's ideals, but we shouldn't probably still be shocked when Batman's about to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. And I thought the episode did that really well, so much so that, like, afterwards when he, like, gets the antidote and Batman's okay, he's like, leave the, the train. He's like, what about Scarecrow? I'll take care of him. Robin's like, what? He's like, hang on, because for the last 24 hours, you saying I'll take care of him means you're going to beat him to a bloody pulp. I'll take him off the train. Okay, but, like, a little bit further? Go into more detail? I'll, I'll gingerly put him down. How gingerly? <sighs> like a baby. <laughs> the train goes over the cliff. <laughs> It's there, great. There should be a stopper for that. I think there's a kill switch, but you know what? This is a superhero cartoon. Not in Gotham. It's so cool. Not in Gotham, man. Uh, I, we've been jumping around like crazy, so if you have anything that... No, I, but yeah, it's. A, I think it's a real fantastic episode. Like we were talking about earlier, the stuff between Bruce and Tim is fantastic. I like that the episode... Every time you say Bruce and Tim, sorry, I keep thinking Bruce Tim. And oh, I sorry. wonder, like, during this series... 
this iteration of Batman, how many jokes do you think were made about like, oh, like another Bruce and Tim episode, eh, Bruce, Tim? And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> Stop it. This is every day of my life. <laughs> I really like how the episode opens up thematically with a, the character of the um, acrophobic guy. He kind of sets up the, the, the story thematically when he says, like, here's a prison, you see? And I just broke broke out or something like that. I broke free! Yeah. <laughs> he has that great little giggle. He's almost like a real-life Daffy Duck. Uh, <laughs> I would love to rewatch that episode with just Daffy in that role. I love these moments, though, in Batman episodes where they do have Gothamites as kind of, you know, like chunky meaty roles like mm. we kind of have bruce's secretary who i don't know if we ever see again i don't think so maybe and then we have like the guy who quits and it, you know it's just like oh this is a world we're filling out a world and i feel like that does happen a little bit less you know once we hit justice league it's like oh these superheroes are what we're gonna have to paint the mundane onto we're gonna want we mm. want to know about their real lives in a way that's grounded uh but when we're in batman we get to explore these people who we'll never see again true it makes the city seem more real and alive yeah uh and then how about that final shot though it's like they're it was real it's like kind of a sobering shot where they're in underground and the shot is of them coming up out of the subway and it's broad daylight <laughs> dragging Jonathan which is Green rare in a batman episode right it's almost like <clears throat> the whole previous night has been kind of a like a night out drinking, you know what I mean? And this is kind of like the hangover, you know? Yeah, he was drunk on Never Fear. Right. That's a good name for a drug, actually. I would do that. I would do some Never Fear. I imagine you put it, like, in your eyes. That's how you have to do it. Just draw the yeah. Never Fear in your eyes with this... Uh, then you hear, oh, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. <laughs> but I think Robin even has a line that's kind of evocative of, like, the, the morning after. He says, like, about last night. You know what I mean? It's like, because it, it was... It was it was awkward between the two of them. It was a it was a a pushing of their relationship towards boundaries that they've never had before. Yeah. And Bruce kind of brings it back in and lets him know like, hey man, it's okay. A little fear is okay. You know, you were right, which is cool. Yeah. It was, no, it was a nice like happy end. It they really did wrap it up with a bow after one of the most dark, scary episodes. For sure. For sure. And I mean, there is something to be said for. They're coming from underground, being lifted from darkness and underneath, like, the pit of human emotion into the light. You know, like, yeah. they're, they're, they've resolved everything. Absolutely. I like how, <laughs> for some reason, Batman threw every single thug off of that moving train. <laughs> like, well, we did have to see that they were alive. We did. There was definitely a shot. But geez, man, like, he threw every single one off the train. Like, he didn't incapacitate them and leave them there. He threw every single one out of a window. And I thought that was hilarious. It reminded me of, uh, you ever play, I'm sure you did. You played the, the Arkham video game? Oh, yeah. I feel like, like that train was a predator mission. And one of the challenges was like, throw them all off the train. Throw them all off. <laughs> Don't incapacitate them in any other way. Throw them off the train. You'll get an achievement if you throw them all off the train. And normally Batman's like, I don't care. But with the Never Fear, he's like. Never Fear Batman's super into Xbox Live achievements. <laughs> Master Bruce, we uh, need to go. Uh, the, the Joker has uh, released a giant mechanical Santa on the streets of Gotham. There's an achievement for that. Uh, all right, Let's great. Go. If that's how we're going to get you out. Mm, I have to use an umbrella for the platinum. Let's do it. Uh, please, please don't rob your own trophy case. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good, actually. I really think that they delved into some darker territory here, and not just, like, the blood from the crocodile or, like, the scary moments, but... Uh, the crossing the boundaries, like the guy that quits and forcefully grabs the secretary's face and kisses her. Like it has a funny cartoon, like, Mwah! 
kind of sound. But they treat you know like cops rush and as they should grab the guy and sure. pull him away. But that's assault. There's yeah, there's assault in a kids cartoon. Yeah, totally. It's there's blood and assault. You don't want to throw assault in that wound. <laughs> Woo! Nice. Uh, it's true. Um, and I think that's kind of what the episode's about is like showing all these people like if they didn't have any fear, what would they do? And Scarecrow is batty as he is, no pun intended. He like when he's on the train like filming himself like Al Qaeda. And he's like, you know, this is the antidote. And he's he's just he's just waxing poetic on the train, like, like fear is the glue that holds society together. And he's kind of right, you know. And this episode is an exploration of fear. Well, he has a strong why. Every good villain has a strong philosophy. Uh, it doesn't mean we're going to agree with that villain, but there's a part of you that's like, well, he's not entirely wrong. I just don't want to do this to humanity. I wish every villain had that. Those are the best villains, you know. The best villains you can relate to. Uh, and the other ones you just end up not caring about that much. And I don't know if I relate. I don't know. Do you relate to Jonathan Crane? No, I don't relate to Jonathan Crane. But I think the idea that like fear holds us together, yeah, I'd say like he makes a strong case for it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I want to hang out with my buddy Jonathan. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say is give him a chance. <laughs> Okay. He Give seems Johnny okay. Boy a chance. What's with the, the noise that follows him, though? That's kind of weird. Oh, it's just the rapture. Ignore it. S sorry? What? Anyway. Oh, oh, no! Only my clothes are left. Um, <laughs> Only your clothes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm being raptured. My clothes are left behind. Where are you talking from? I'm floating up somewhere, the rapture. <laughs> he just raptures people. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you know the scarecrow. He just raptures people. That's his power. That would honestly be far more terrifying than he's ever done oh absolutely well that's one of the cool things about this episode though is the way that the scarecrow does something that he hasn't done before because you must have thought the writers are like well what are we going to do again with the scarecrow we've had everybody face their fears at least three times right uh what they had the, nothing to fear was his intro episode then they had fear of victory which mm -hmm. was that uh like football? Yeah, that's where he was like lacing letters with uh, powder that made people afraid. Uh huh. And that then was there awesome. was another one where, you know, I think it was like Batman in Arkham was exposed to fear toxin, right? Oh, yeah, you might be right. Which was like a tangential scarecrow episode. There right. are a couple scarecrow episodes where they're like, we just want the device, we don't need the character. Like Over the Edge employs it, oh, obviously, man. but, yeah. uh, you know, it's not really ever about the scarecrow. And I thought it was so fun. This is such an interesting idea, and I don't think I've ever seen it tackled in a comic. That's a good point. It's a nice what if of like, okay, like what if you just took it all away? Yeah, I mean, to me, my brain goes to improv. Uh, we're both improvisers. But like when, when you talk about exploring an idea, or at least at UCB they talk about a game, uh, okay, we've hit the scarecrow's game. He makes people afraid of things. Okay, if this, then what? If we take away the fear, that's still using the Scarecrow's power, but we get to shine a different light on the character. And I think right. that's such a cool way of exploring a villain Absolutely. that you've already done a bunch of episodes with. Absolutely. I always wanted another Scarecrow episode in really? this this iteration, of the new Batman Adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just have him show up for a Justice League appearance. That'd have been nice. Uh, him and Sinestro. Put him in Sinestro. the Legion of Doom, dog. Put him in the Legion of Doom. Just throw him in the Legion of Doom. Just put him in there with Grodd and those dudes. And what was his name? Who was the guy that was getting uppity at Luthor? When Luthor took over, it was a guy, it was like um, Dr. Polaris. That guy, he was the guy that was getting most uppity. Yeah, and it's like, we nobody gives a shit about Dr. <laughs> it's Polaris. That's true. 
with his helmet. And I'm like, really? This is the guy? All right. Although I think that was the joke, right? That he was like a shitty Magneto. I think so. He really is a shitty Magneto. <laughs> um, but like this dude's design, Scarecrow, it would have worked there. It would have worked everywhere. It's such, it's, it's criminally underused, that new design. And Jeffrey Combs is criminally underused, man. He's so good. I mean, thankfully, he was the question, and oh, we got a ton of him. Fantastic. But I wanted him as the Scarecrow so much more. It would have been nice. He yeah. was great. Yeah, it would have been really nice. And you'll hear from him later in the episode. Ooh. That dude is just so... I mean, he's not a creepy guy, but what he brings to the character, and a lot of his characters over the years, just this this this, this quiet intensity. Yeah, he makes you come to him. Ooh, I like that. That's a good point. And that's exactly what the Scarecrow needs, you know. And and this new design of his is just, ugh, it's, it's stomach-turning, like with that hat. Somebody, His arms are too long, too, right? <laughs> like his he's arms just, are going down to like maybe below his knees. He looks like. like falling off a building Hans Gruber is what he looks like. <laughs> that's what he looks like. Um, but like his, I mean, what 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 is that design evocative of? It's like a... What are those dude? What were those dudes called? They were like priests, but way back in um, not colonial times, obviously. But um, he looks like he looks like he looks like a frontier reverend. Is yes, what he looks like. Yes, he to me. does. He has that that hat. Is that's kind the of hat. Like, you know what he looks like? You ever see Poltergeist Two? The other side. No, I have not. That's a shame because you should. Uh, he looks like the villain in that film, which is spoilers. Is like a uh, um, an like a an old reverend from that time, like the eighteen hundreds. Who like died, but like just refuses to die completely, and so now he's like a wraith and a poltergeist, and he looks not like Scarecrow, but he wears the same outfit with the hat and like the. Feels black like he suit. probably wanted to burn some witches at the stake. Sure, that kind of guy. There's still more witches to burn. He's not done. I'm not done. That's actually really creepy. Uh, <laughs> I got a little scared right there. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate the new Batman Adventures, though. Like you said, a lot of people don't. Uh, but I think they're wonderful. Um, Some of my favorite episodes come from the new Batman adventures. I think they they challenged themselves to explore characters only when they needed to, and I feel like that's what happens with the Scarecrow. We see a different side of him. That's what happens with Scarface. We sort of see... Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes, the Double Talk, hmm. uh, the one where the ventriloquist is reformed and his goons go out of their way to rope him back into Oof. psychosis. It's really sad. Yeah. Uh, but it has one of the rare happy endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have some loonier, crazier episodes. Like you get Farmer Brown and Giant Praying Mantises. Oh my God, Farmer Brown. The Cult Brown. of the Cat. <laughs> yeah. We, Batman gets married in the new Batman Adventures yeah. to a plant creature. Yeah. That's not a great one, but it's fun. I think it's creepy. You know, like I love. On your wife, Bruce. Ooh. It, it, you know, reminiscent of, of the, the episode where house is it house, house and, and garden house and garden yeah where poison ivy raises oh, a plant family with of her clones. cabbage patch kids that's one that's my favorite poison ivy episode oh it's creepy as hell man oh it's gross also world's finest we get the crossover between batman and Superman. oh my god world's finest i look like you said a lot of us were kids back then and a lot of us disliked change of what was familiar but ultimately when you look at these things as objectively as you can new batman adventures is awesome it still gives us what's most important, which is good storytelling. Good storytelling in the same continuity with generally the same voice actors. Absolutely. And it paved the way for even more great shows in the same universe. Absolutely. You can't go wrong. Um, so, guys, if you've been on the fence about the new Batman Adventures, give it a chance. 
You won't get raptured. We promise. We promise. <laughs> oh. My clothes. My kids. My kids. No. My kids. Not my kids. <laughs> I want to take those with me to the afterlife. One last thing I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up. Yeah. So you have a theory, and not a theory, but uh, when, in college we used to joke about this a lot, yeah. that every DC Animated Universe theme song, you can sing the name of the hero to that theme song. Because you can. <laughs> so it was like, Superman, Superman, Superman. hey, da, da, look da, da, at me, da, da, da. I am I'm Superman. Superman. Yeah, yeah. Or like, da, ja, Justice League. Oh yeah, uh, Justice, uh, da, 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 Justice League, the Justice League. The Justice League, the Justice League. Yeah. And it, the Unlimited. I never did Unlimited. Justice League Unlimited. Wow. Unlimited, Unlimited. Justice League Unlimited. Justice League Unlimited. Wow. Right? Well done. Well done. Yeah, man. Hey, no, you're the one who, you made the same joke <laughs> years ago. <laughs> That's good. Who came up with that? No, you, Brett. It was you. <laughs> what? Uh, Yeah. It's I don't true. know if it, does it work for Batman? Like the animated series, uh, yeah, um, but that one's so like amelodic, it's kind of hard. Okay, what about the new Batman Superman Adventures? Did that have a different song? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, such a good theme. Batman and Superman. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it it's works. in there. Okay, great. Batman Beyond. Oh, once again. Batman Beyond. Beyond. <laughs> I guess that's a bit of a stretch. Who did the guitar for that? Was that The Edge? Or am I making that up? Uh, I think you are correct. Oh, yeah. Get him in here and we'll play it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll get him in here. Can we get that guy in there? We'll talk about it. Uh, Batman Beyond, once again, the two Batman shows, like they don't have much melody to go off of. They're not as bombastic, but you can definitely get it in there. Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Okay, maybe not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, any final thoughts on Never Fear? Yeah, man, Jeffrey Combs kills it. Uh, he really pulls the episode together, in my opinion, and that character together. And I think what makes the episode most special, the reason I can see myself and everybody else going back and watching this over and over is you get some real cool Bruce Wayne, Tim Drake interaction and some cool Bruce Wayne acting, which is, like, once again, one of his awesome skills that he learned in his, like, seven or eight, nine-year journey you don't get I'm to see a magician. I'm an actor. I'm a crime fighter. Okay. I'm a billionaire. You're hired, kid. You're I'm hired. I'm also followed by the guy who has the rapture following him. <laughs> has the rapture following him is an even funnier concept. <laughs> Just like a rain cloud following Eeyore. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Had a lot of fun. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. Moving on to the next interview. Wait, please, no more. No more of this. Oh, not you guys again. What now? That interview was too scary. Interviews are too scary. Too many mouths making noises. Guys, why are you so scared? My name is Scared Mouse. And my name is Scared Mouse. So let me get this straight. You're Scared Mice because you were named Scared Mouse. Oh, yes. When you are named Scared Mouse, everything is scary. You have a broom? Broom is scary. You make a breakfast? It's a scary breakfast. Too scary. No, thank you. Stay in hole. Holes are good. Holes are good. Not scary. Okay, well, you got to understand, I'm not just going to stop the podcast because you're afraid of people talking to each other. You're either going to have to stay here and listen to my interview with Jeffrey Combs, or you're going to have to get out of here. (gasps) 
Jeffrey Combs, too scary. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Back at the filth closet. All right, guys, let's get to this interview. Today's guest, Jeffrey Combs. That's right, Jeffrey Scarecrow Combs. You might also know him as the Question in Justice League Unlimited, Dr. Herbert West in the Reanimator series, and just about every type of alien you can imagine on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and many other Star Treks. He was also recently on Gotham and can be seen or heard in a bunch of other television, film, animation on stage. Boy, he's prolific. He's also a really nice guy. So uh, I'm excited for you to listen to this interview. And we are recording. No. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Uh, that no that you just heard is the voice of Jeffrey Combs. Thank you for coming here to talk about Batman the Animated Series. My complete pleasure. Uh, you know Jeffrey as the Scarecrow and the Question, but you also know him as, man, so many other... Uh, Dr. Herbert West, the reanimator himself. <laughs> yes, the beginning of my downward spiral into debauchery and sickness and darkness. and. Uh... So you weren't seeking out roles like that? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. People always sort of assume, like, I'm so, like, attached at the hip with, like, Lovecraft. But it's like, wait a minute. Think about this. I I, I didn't eat peanut butter sandwiches for years and sacrifice everything for acting classes and doing theater for nothing and uh, to do Lovecraft. I, I didn't even know who Lovecraft was when I got so did you learn about H.P. Lovecraft's work when you were on set at Reanimator, or? Well, not even then. I was just sort of, uh, I guess, right for a role. And uh, I remember when I was auditioning, Stuart Gordon said, you know, this is based on Lovecraft, the writings of it. I was, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, that guy. Oh, of course I know who I it is. Love, love him. <laughs> and I really had no frame of reference to him at all. So, you know, over the years, I've, I've sort of, either because of my own curiosity or because of projects that come up, you know, I've read some, a lot of Lovecraft, but I hadn't, nothing. So do you feel like, you know, being in Reanimator, uh, and that, that sort of like spiraled you towards these types of roles, like people, yes. like, oh man. Yes, it's kind of like a, an actor who, you know, is a all-around actor and prides themselves on their versatility and then they get cast in a sitcom and then everybody just thinks oh you're you're the sitcom guy (laughs) and so it's sort of like that it's kind of like they immediately say oh that's what you do it's kind of a blessing and and it's a backhanded slap too because it's like wait a minute broaden your view of me please Please. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like you're, you're so good at playing that, like, you're, you fit into those roles so well. You're the least creepy person I've sat across, but the roles that you embody are, well, you know. You... Well, you know, it's kind of like what actors do. They look at the parameters of the role that they have and go, what makes this guy tick and how do I, how do I convey that? successfully and maybe maybe you know maybe it's just too successfully and everybody <laughs> goes oh he's a creepy guy and it's like no i live in the suburbs and you know and uh, you know i break the lawn and uh, <laughs> i'm boring 
So let's dive into Batman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series. Or the new Batman Adventures, the iteration that you were a part of. You know, as we, as, as, as we sort of set up this interview, you tried bravely to uh, link me to uh, this episode. Yeah, it's been, t- I mean, it's, it's not easy to find not online to find other than and, like Amazon. And they all failed. I mean, every time <laughs> I tried to open one up, it said, you know, no content or there was an error or something. So I think it's sort of the universe saying to me, don't see this episode before this interview. Let's just go with what your your, your memories of doing it. Because I'm here to tell you, like, fans have a completely different memory bank and meaning to, to either cartoons or with films than I do. Whenever someone brings up one of my movies, I immediately think, oh, yeah, I shot that in... Uh, Rome, and that was great. Or I shot that in uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, and that was not so great. You know, you know what I mean. I have a. You think of the experience, I not necessarily the, the ex- facts about exactly. the character that you exactly. were playing. Exactly, and um, and so for this this Batman, it came out of the blue. I didn't have a voiceover agent at the time. Uh, for many years, I didn't, uh, and and so you know, my theatrical agent called and said, you know, they're they they. You know, they want you to do this. Oh, wow, that's kind of novel. And so they reached cool. out to you directly. They were just like, we want Jeffrey Combs to play the yes, Scarecrow. Yes, yes. Like the producers kind of went, that's the guy we want. Uh, I don't whether they auditioned other people. And I always got the feeling that I was a replacement. I, I couldn't ever, you never get the full explanation but wasn't there someone who did scarecrow before me there was there was a man named henry pollock okay uh and he his version of the scarecrow was much different though so the first three seasons of the show it had a slightly different animation style and they redesigned the character so the first version of it was a a little bit more theatrical uh kind of in love with the sound of his own voice and i think they wanted to go a different direction and completely change the character right so i'm holding here your little action figure which i love of this character and, and, and because it had a little new, I think they showed me pictures of it at the time, because of the noose and everything, I sort of thought, like, a, I remember my choice was like a little more of a raspy kind of a voice because, yeah. because maybe his larynx had been crushed at some point in his becoming the scarecrow with a... Uh, yeah, it looks like he was hung and that it got snapped it off. It got snapped off, but damage was done. So it's sort of the way I sort of, my, in, my instinct at the time... But I had no frame of reference with voiceover. Then. Yeah, what were you thinking when you first heard about it? Well, I, I really had no knowledge of how that whole world worked, except sort of vaguely. And I, I honestly sort of thought, well, you know, how different can it be, right? And then I got in there and I realized this is an entirely other skill set here. This is a really specialized um, niche in yeah, this, what in was this industry that, that I had never explored or was even really kind of aware of. I just sort of thought, well, I'm a on-camera dude. I don't do this stuff of uh, other people's gig, you know. But, but once I started doing it, I, I really grew to respect and appreciate absolute facility 
than a lot of these people have. And the first one that really dropped the penny for me was um, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., mm-hmm. who at that point in my my life, my only frame of reference to him was films and television, uh, you know, the FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and he was the voice of Alfred in this show. And he was the voice of Alfred. But what was also sort of startling to me was that they would go, okay, you know, Ephraim, would you also do? And he did like three or three voices other than Alfred in that episode. Oh, wow. Yes. Little things. Well, because and, the way that those record sessions work is I think they can get you to do like three voices for the can. same rate. Yeah. Although I have to point out that they never do that with me. <laughs> they never turn to me and go, Jeff, can you, other than maybe a grunting guard in the background or a, uh, or something, um, I guess there are just people that are just really, really good at it. They have those insane ranges. They just can just pull something out just back to back that it's just not, it has no similarity with each other. And I'm not one of those guys. So that was, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was sort of, dude, he just was like something else there for, and I had no idea he had that kind of range. Yeah. So that was, uh, and and then I was just thrilled because, you know, I was geeking out for my generation because here was Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., but here was also Ken Berry, like Ken Berry from F Troop. Are you kidding and I remember also sitting next to Charles Rocket, Charles Rocket, who was a, a kind of a stand-up comedian, and he was a, a, a regular for a while on um, Saturday Night Live, like some replacement casts yeah. after the. So it was it was like I was sort of in this world with these guys and people. And I don't really remember who else was in the cast. Uh, if you, and Kevin Conroy, of course, is the voice of Batman right. in that. Uh, right. It feels right. like they were able, in that show, it felt like the producers and writers were like, we're going to cherry pick all the people we love from film and television I think. Yeah. and uh, throw them together. And then the, the next time that I sort of experienced that, actually, because I did more episodes, was uh, Justice League. Right, you voiced the they, question. It kind of had the same sort of, like, we're going to get, you know... You never knew who was going to come in the door there. You know, and you oh worked with God. so many people on that, I imagine. Oh, yeah. There's Robert Forster, and there's Virginia Madsen, and there's Clancy Brown. It was like people just kept coming in the room. Because you were a huge part of that series. Oh, yeah, I loved doing that show. It was amazing. I mean, especially your character in that season arc. If you haven't seen it, uh, we may spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but whatever. But, but the point is, you know, once again, that was just a gift from the voiceover gods because I didn't have I didn't audition for so it. they it chose just, you they're like oh man we loved working with Jeffrey as the scarecrow let's bring him in for the question right and I'm a big lover of uh, film noir and so the whole the whole the, the whole uh, question thing had a real sort of noirish sort of vibe with the trench coat and the fedora you know it was like really in my wheelhouse of enthusiasm so I really enjoyed that I mean one of the coolest things is that you you breathed life into a character that has no face. Like, if you haven't seen the show, the question, yeah. or at least most of the time, you, you don't see his nothing. face. Nothing, yeah, nothing. And 
it didn't matter when you're watching the show. And I mean, the, even that like voiceover already, you're, you're putting your whole performance into the voice. You know, that's all the audience is, is so really ironic getting. because I'm not a voiceover guy. And yet they trusted me to, to sort of fill the character with, with no features. It's just, but it works, it, but it works. So hopefully it does. Yeah. Uh, but scarecrow, you know, same thing. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. I was just, like guesswork. So let's back up to when you were cast as the Scarecrow. Okay. Uh, what was what was your first impression when you walked in the room? Do you remember like going in there to do the record? Was it with who was there? Every but but, but the whole cast was there. Uh, Andrea Romano. Uh huh. You know, bless her. She's given me so many opportunities over the years, and I have a uh, you know greatest admiration and love for her. Um, you know, she's really opens opened some doors and been very supportive of me, even though I'm kind of a novice at this. So I really appreciated, you know, her. And I had a, a, a slight relationship with her because the casting director, this is real obscure, but the casting director for Reanimator and all of those uh, Empire movies mm-hmm. was a guy named Anthony Barneo. And Andrea Romano and Anthony Barneo were roommates. So I sort of knew Andrea sort of obscurely and peripherally. And through that? Through that sort of connection. They're like, oh, yeah, hi. Hi, how are you? Oh, wow. Uh, So it wasn't like we were complete strangers, but we weren't like, you know, socializing or anything. Right. So uh, it's just these little connections, like your connection with who your roommate is. and uh, Right. What I discovered this morning, we were just talking about this. My roommate uh, is the son of one of Jeffrey's close friends. Yeah. Star Trek buddies. Uh, which is insane because I did not know this at all <laughs> up until, until this, this morning. morning. How about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like you're such a, you're at the epicenter of so much fandom. Like Star Trek, I'm sure Star Trek nerds are like hounding you at conventions. Uh, it's been, uh, it, they're lovely. They're lovely people. Still. Yeah. Star Trek fans. I mean, cult and, horror, cult sci-fi. I mean, honestly, mainstream sci-fi. And then <laughs> superhero stuff. Like, you have the Holy Trinity. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty fortunate. It doesn't, it doesn't feel fortunate while, while you're in the mud wrestling around trying to get another gig. But then when you kind of get down the road a little bit and turn around every once in a while and look back and go, wow, I went there, I did that, I worked with, wow. Are you into nerdy or geeky things, or it's just like, oh, you kind of fell into it? I'm, I'm, I'm into, uh, yes, I am, I am a nerd. Okay. I'm sort of a early prototype of a nerd. The proto-nerd. Oh, the proto-nerd. Although, <laughs> although maybe my enthusiasms are probably not as uh, geekoid. Um, what are your enthusiasms? Well, like I said, I like, you know, f- film noir, and uh, my tastes are just all over the place. I mean, I love early television comedy. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's wide and it's, and it's varied, but I, but I was never a comic book dude when I was a kid. I mean, every once in a while, someone would have a... Um, I remember really liking Spider-Man, mm-hmm. so Spider-Man and Batman, but 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 comic books never really um, grabbed me. I think it's because I didn't have the excess income to go down and start collecting these things. Right? You yeah. You know what I mean? 
So, so you know, it was always sort of peripherally. So, I mean, Batman, this, this show in particular is so influenced by noir. I mean, exactly. It has whole, that dark the whole deco. Sort of vibe about it, that the, the darker, shadowy aspect side. You know, I, I, I sort of like the Batman series, the spoofy kind of tongue-in-cheek, send-up, goofy thing. You know, I mean, I grew up with that. Right. It was all Adam West. And, and you sort of appreciated it t- to a certain degree, but its whole vibe was not to be taken seriously. Um, and I guess that was part of the goofy sort of laugh-in kind of zany mm-hmm. thing that was going on at that point. Um, but at the same time, man, that's some gravitas. I mean, Burgess Meredith and, uh, you know, that's some... Frank Gorsh. I mean, they had some really cool. Um, I have to tell you, one of my earliest performances as an actor was in the sixth grade. I'm really aging myself. I was in the sixth grade, and I got pulled out of class to go to another class in the sixth grade. And I thought, uh oh, because we used to change classes. Oh, really? Right? You know, for different subjects. Oh, okay. To sort of get us used to like middle school. Yeah. And so I was, and I went, well, oh, man, I must have failed that math test. And the guy goes, no, 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 my class is doing a safety skit, and we're going to have Batman and Robin be sort of the uh, MCs of the whole thing, and the whole class agreed that you should be Robin. <laughs> so so the, your first acting experience? Yeah. Well, was as Robin? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, there'd be a safety skit. Two people would be driving... Uh, you know, tandem on a bike, and then they would crash, and then Batman would say, you know, come out, someone dressed as Batman would come out and go, you know, you see, you should you should follow the law and only ride single <laughs> on it. And then the punchline at the end was I would step out behind the curtain in my little Robin uniform and say something like, holy spokes, Batman, you're right. <laughs> hey, it's me, Justin, interrupting myself in the middle of an interview because guess what? It's that time. A word from our sponsor. But in just a couple minutes, we'll be back with more Jeffrey Combs. Are you horny for the clinically psychotic? Are you craving a bad boy in a straitjacket? Then head on over to ArkhamSingles.com, baby. Arkham Singles, baby. Baby. Our website instantly connects you with over 200 inmates at Arkham Asylum. And guess what? They're single and ready to mangle, baby. Baby. Today's inmate, Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. the Scarecrow, likes... Hmm, well, phobias, things that go bump in the night, general anxiety, pina coladas, and that big brown stick I carry around. Dislikes... My plans being foiled. The Batman. Oh, and when somebody mistakes my noose for a necklace, I'm like, really? It's so obviously a noose. Ideal date. Oh, just an intimate dinner for two. We talk all night, watch a movie together and hold hands, share popcorn, Diet Coke, some Skittle. Nothing special. Smoking and drug use. Well, I like a good fear toxin now and then. (laughs) Favorite movie? Well, first, that video I record of you reacting to a fear toxin. But also, Please Don't Eat the Daisies is one of my favorites. 
favorite TV show. Well, I would love to see that video of you with the neurotoxin turned into an episodic series. Final thoughts. Generally, I'm just looking for a woman who's willing to be exposed to a neurotoxin that alters her sense of reality and makes her see spider rats crawling out of her bones for the rest of her life. But I also like to coddle. Care to join me? So what are you waiting for? Send yourself to the loony bin. Unless you're a baby. Baby. Seriously, though, if you are a baby, baby, you're not legally allowed to sign up. Arkham Singles, baby. The only thing more criminally insane than our inmates is choosing not to sign up for our dating website. Okay, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna keep talking about the scarecrow. I know that there's uh, uh, please so, do yeah. Uh, I mean, this redesign of the character is creepy. It's creepy as all. It's one of the creepiest designs that they creepy. made on the show. Uh, so you, when you got there, you saw Andrea Romano yeah. um, and the rest of the cast there. Did you do a full table read together? Before no, there was no table read. There was no table read. It was just come in for the session. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little horseshoe of uh, microphones and but chairs. But you all did and, it together, and we all. Uh, yeah, you know, my memory isn't that... Uh, my, my sense was that, that there were a number of people there. Yeah. And so when you work on voiceover projects now, uh, uh-huh. do, are you always working with other people together or they, is it they separately all, They recorded? always try to get as many people in, in the room on, on a given day as possible. Some people are like really... Uh, booked and busy or have a have and, and so they'll just set up a separate thing for them but optimum is you get everybody in because then you then you're feeding off each other's energy you your conversations are are are, are real yeah there's a flow to there's it. a there's a total flow yeah yeah absolutely so when did you see the episode after it aired no I saw it when it aired what do you mean after it? Or aired? you know, like, okay, uh, <laughs> you see it after it aired. Did you see it after it aired? Uh, yeah, you know the moment afterwards, yeah, not like the before, credits ended, but right after. Yeah. Uh, did you see the commercial right after yes, the episode I ended? Did I don't remember what it was, but uh, oh, okay. Well, then Your this interview is over. <laughs> you know, uh, you're killing me, Larry. Yeah, he's killing me too. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I remember, you know, catching it catching it when it when it aired what did you, you know? think about it, it when you saw really it? bad about that i have to tell you you go in and oops you go in and you do these things and then you know they forget about you they never like email you or call you and say oh by the way it's it's airing right you'll research be like when does this happen uh last week you know you know what i mean i mean you just so after it aired after all yes exactly <laughs> so um did I only do one episode? You did. There, I think only one episode as Weird. the Scarecrow. And then what they do? Uh, and then they. Like, I wish there were more. I think that was one of my favorite it? episodes. How, how many more? Ep- the, the, it was only one season what of that hell? iteration. They, why is this uh, a fascination for people if there's only one of? Them? It was such a good episode. So never fear. I mean, yeah, the previous Scarecrow episodes were generally like, all right, he's exposing people to fear toxin. They're going to see their greatest fears. And I think what was cool about your iteration of it, not only was he so much creepier, there was something real and, and gravelly about him, but you know it was all about removing people's fear, which is just an interesting idea. Right. And, and it gets pretty dark. Thinking. Batman keeps popping up in my world because, uh, well, you know, when, I, when I, I, I played Robin when I was like in fifth grade, but, all, but I also I just got through doing two episodes of Gotham. 
Oh yeah, I saw that. Like what? So you're in the Red Hood episode. Yes. How's that been? Oh, it's a great c- crew. Uh, you you know I'm not in it a, lo- a lot, but I have a couple really nice scenes with uh, J- Jada Pinkett Smith, and um, they were they were really lovely to me. You know, in this day and age of uh, uh, cutbacks and stuff, you know, I mean they flew me to New York twice. And That's great. So all good. My daughter lives in New York now, so I was like, okay. Sure. I'm visiting. Uh, honey. <laughs> Hello. Dad's here. <laughs> oh, hi. Didn't expect this. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It was a real treat. Really lovely. Yeah. So, the the Scarecrow's a pretty straightforward villain. Uh, but I feel like a lot of the roles that you play kind of walk the line between comedy and horror. Uh, I try to do that. Uh, um, not always, but I, but I think I think it... Probably my instinct right away with Reanimator was mm, okay. I like the ambiguity of being the guy you love to hate or hate to love, and I like sort of blurring that line. Well, is he a bad guy? Or well, the first half of the film, he feels more like the bad guy. Yes, and then it turns, and he's he's very much the hero. I just rewatched it the other I night. Actually, saved the day. If yeah, you really want to, you know, it's you're rooting for him in the end. It is, I think, kind of a good old-fashioned melodrama, only the guy that you think is the villain is uh, really out-villained by someone who's even far worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so there's justification there. And, and there, I think there's also, with, 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 uh, with West, uh, kind of a... Um, an admiration for his uh, uh, single-mindedness. Well, I think what you do so well, and I think why it plays, is that it's not winky in any way. You know, yeah, like, it's a real tricky thing. You don't want to like uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge. Yeah. You, know it, what I mean? It, know what I mean? Yeah, comedy comes out of character and situation. Yeah, and and I think that that I mean that also works for the question. Uh, he's you know a paranoid crazy character <laughs> right uh, and potentially he, he could be you know written off as like a sillier voice in this sea of like serious heroes but he's so dedicated to what he believes <laughs> right and uh, there's sort of a uh there, there's sort of a deadpan kind of uh almost a self-knowledge there how did you approach uh, developing the question um I, 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 uh, it's a good question. Developing it, because here's the thing with this stuff. You don't have much time to develop frickin' anything. Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of get the inquiry, and then that doesn't mean you have the script, and then you finally get the script, and then it's like, like, like okay, we're recording in two days, or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Go, and go. So there's a lot of just basic kind of fly with your instinct. And also keep your ears open and like, kind of, kind of, kind of go with what it is they're saying to you. We kind of want it this way or or, or that way. Uh, the tricky thing with uh, the question is that you know you get in those booths with people and they have incredible voices and they're really putting everything into it. You know, and, and then it's and then, and then it's like yeah, but this guy's sort of kind of quiet and under 
under. But I think that's what works about him is that they, he's so separate from those big booming heroes. Yeah, that's, you know? that's so, so that's what I decided to do is sort of kind of differentiate him by making people have to hear him. Yeah, you have to quiet down you and listen. You have to quiet down and listen. And, um, you know, that could have been a big flat bomb. But I, but I sort of thought that, that he's a little soft-spoken guy a little bit. I mean, there's a gravitas there, but there's also uh, – he, he, he's one of those guys that makes you go to him. And, I mean, you got a romantic subplot <laughs> with that character. Like, he, he had yeah. everything in the show. Yeah, he did. <laughs> a yeah. man without a face having a relationship. Had a babe. <laughs> had a babe with a hot one. So when you're in the record booth or, or when you're recording for these shows, how, how many times do you usually go through things? Uh, they will generally, uh, they will generally, um, it kind of can vary, but they will maybe do one talk through or walk up, speak through of like a particular scene and then they'll go, okay, let's try one. And then we will, uh, we'll run through it, maybe a page or a page and a half of a scene and then all will go quiet in the booth while we, they listen to replay. And then, they, and then they'll come back and say, well, let's try it again. Or we're going to go in and just pick up various lines here and there. Do they ever give you alts or allow you to improvise, or is it very specific? Sometimes they will say, and I really like this and learn this from other people too, is that they'll say, say that line, and I'll go, I'll give you three. Mm -hmm. And then you just do three really quick. And it kind of frees you up, and maybe one of them is sort of self-conscious, and then you kind of loosen, out, loosen of it a little. out of it a little bit and do something different, and then a little bit different on the third one, and, and, and then they'll just, well, I like the third one. Or usually, nine times out of ten, they like the first one. <laughs> just like in Well, film. it's the most organic, It is, and it's, the, and, and it's usually that way in film, too. Uh, you know, takes. You can do 15 takes, and... They, 80% of the time, they'll pick the first one. Now, what do you find is the major difference between, I mean, obviously, acting in live action in film. Uh, well, bumping the mic. I'm not the only one. No, we have both done it. We've done it. <laughs> it's one-to-one. -one. <laughs> uh, live action versus voiceover. I mean, obviously, it's just your voice. But beyond that, how do you approach the roles distinctly? Uh, I, I, uh, or is it the same? I, it's not the same. It's not the same because on film... It's the same, but it's different. On film, uh, it's not just your voice that has to convey the character. It's your physicality, how you carry yourself, uh, uh, how you uh, react. There's, you, there's no reaction shots <laughs> in the uh, voiceover booth. So everything has to be spiraled down and focused into voice. Yeah. And um, that's a real tough adjustment to do. Everything is in what you're saying and how you say it as opposed to saying it but also physically conveying something else maybe on film. So you have to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost more difficult. It's Do you feel like sometimes you're, you're like, a lot of voice actors I've talked to who come from live uh, you know live theater or even uh, film feel like they're overacting in the beginning like what they need to do never been my problem <laughs> no, no uh, yes I, kn I know what they mean 
Um, like they're pushing it more than they think they need to, but then when you hear it, it's like, oh, there's, it, it's come to life. Well, you have to, that's, once again, that's one of the things that I think you have to do in voiceover is because it's all the voice, mm-hmm. you can't kind of lay back and be all natural and mumble your way through it. It just doesn't, it doesn't pop that way. And you, you know, what you basically do is you learn by those who really know what they're doing. You just keep your mouth shut and your ears open and you watch everybody else in the room and go on. Okay. What did you learn from watching from that initial voiceover job on Batman? I mean, you mentioned Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Right. Uh, I, 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 I learned that versatility is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for me, I'm, uh, I'm not, I, I've always prided myself on versatility, uh, but when it comes down to just vocal versatility, just like completely altering my my instrument in tone, pitch, placement, uh, I'm, I'm 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 kindergarten <laughs> compared to uh, you know the giants in the industry, and I've been really really fortunate to like work with you know some really great people and they're so facile and who are so, some of your favorite people you've worked with well a lot of the transformer the people that were in uh, in transformers that entire cast was a a who's who of of, of voiceover icons yeah and you know peter cullen frank uh, you know kevin Michael Richardson, uh, Steve Bloom, uh, Clancy Brown came in. It's just, it's just That's everybody. <laughs> it's just like, uh, what am I, what am I doing here? But you're you keep getting brought back in. You keep acting. You are a. I feel like you're a, you're a favorite voiceover artist for a lot of people, uh, but it feels like you know you don't feel like you're part of that community. It's because I came to it late mm-hmm. that I. That that I that I, I don't feel like it's completely uh, that I own it uh, yet, and I also, uh, if there's anything, I'm maybe too self-critical or aware of just exactly. Look, I I can bring a character to life, uh, but it it takes a lot of time and concentration and focus for me, and then. But for someone to then turn around and like do something completely different six seconds later, um, maybe not so much <laughs> for me. Maybe not so much for me. So um, I really admire that kind of uh, fluidity, ability on those guys' parts. It's a it's a real gift. Do you see? Uh, do you see yourself like physically manifesting yes, traits? Yes, I characters? always physically manifest. You act. Yeah, there's a certain way I for each character the way, a, a way I would stand. I, I I know some people will sit down. So know. do the designs help you when you see the? Yes, absolutely. Art. I need to like get some sort of a visceral impulse, either 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 from what's what they show me on a video or they show me some stills. Just so I can gotta kind of get a sense of uh, ballpark, you know. Do you happen to it remember you. 1997? <laughs> how you how you would have manifested the scarecrow in real life? Well, I mean, they did show me pictures of this, and I I I I I, I, 
it was my first and I, and, and, and I think my recollection is everybody sat down. Everybody was sitting <laughs> for the record, and which I didn't know any different. I thought, oh, everybody sits down when they record. Um, but since then, I've discovered that, you know, some people prefer to stand, and I'm one of those. Yeah. It really roots me into the ground. It allows some limited kind of physical impulse to begin a line. Right, enough that you're not making noise for the mic to pick up, but you're you're living in it. And also the timber of your voice is determined by your carriage. Uh, That's interesting. You know, if you lean forward... Uh, there's something that happens. Whereas if you're open and expansive with your, with your chest, that something else happens. Mm -hmm. Or if your feet are together, something else happens than your feet planted apart. Um, uh, there's different things get manifested physically. And so different characters have a, you know, you're not just standing there with your hands in your pockets. And I, and I, and I learned that, you know, from, from people too, that the, the greats will, will gesture and, and, and I was like, Oh, you're free to do this. Okay. Yeah. I wish there was video of that on every DVD release. Cause it's so cool to watch, uh, people just act it out, you know? Exactly. Uh, I exactly. mean, I feel like there could be like a video commentary where you just see that version of things and watch the actors do their thing. Because it, 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 it springboards you into the reality. Yeah. And, and so, so the Scarecrow recording, um, everybody was sitting down. And, and, and in a way, I think it's, uh, you, you might miss some colors. So with the question at that point, were you also sitting down or, or were you standing for most of those? That's a good question uh -huh. for the question. Uh -huh. My recollection is that I was sitting. Or at that, that at some point I said, can I stand? And they were like, no, sit back down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, like for Transformers, always stood. Always. So what is, this is a shifting what is the nicest thing a fan has ever done for you or given you? I imagine you, you probably have a bunch of various fans. Uh, is that me or you? Uh, I think that's you. It's my phone. It's the sound of a buzz from Jeffrey Combs. But I don't know who that is. It's a number. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Uh, the nicest thing, the thing that popped into my head, you know, for for a number of years here in L.A., I, I, I did a one-man show of um, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. I read about that. And not far from where we're recording, actually, over at the uh, Steve Allen Theater. Oh, that's there. very close. Yeah. Um, and I ran that thing for about four or five months initially, and someone came backstage with a, um, they made this, a, and I still, I have it at home. It is, I don't know, what, what do you call it? A box, like a shadow box. Oh, yeah. So it's like kind of something scenically inside of it. Scenic, or? It, it is me, a little figure of, of a little figure of me as Poe with a, a little 
chair, a, a replica of my chair, of my table with the candle mm -hmm. on it, with the rug on the floor and the music stand. It's like my set and me with the curtains, and it is a little shadow box. That's so kind. And if you turn a light on, then the candle comes on and a couple little spotlights show up. And it is, I mean, it's a meticulous piece of... And this was just somebody who saw the show? Saw the show three times, and that's what her hobby was, and she just went, I know what I'm going to do, and presented it to me. That's so cool. That was beyond cool. Yeah. I cherish it. Yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, and then, and then, you know, and then in the reanimator world, I, I keep running into people with, um, they're not really gifts to me, uh, but they have tattoos of me. Really? Yes. Which I don't is it know. usually like of what's on the poster or is it from a certain scene? It's usually like a, a holding a, up a, a, <laughs> yes, a needle, uh, you know, the classic PR shot, <laughs> you know. How big are the tattoos? Oh, well, they can be on a thigh. They can be on a calf. They can be on a bicep. You've made it. You're in every part of the body tattoo. Well, I just say to them, that's really great. Some of them are better than others. But I say, that's really great. But but how? You don't know me. What if you, you go to all this time and expense and then you meet me and I'm a dick? <laughs> what are you going to do then? Uh, we'll uh, draw a mustache on you. We have, uh, a remind <laughs> you have a reminder on your thigh that I'm a, I'm a dick. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, so I don't know. It's just perplexing to me. I take it for the compliment that it is. It means something to them. Yeah. Deeply. Obviously. So one last, this is like a comic book nerdy question Good. this is going to be like if you were at comic-con and somebody's like i have a question mr combs uh-oh <laughs> hey what would the scarecrow say to the question if he could say anything it's not all a conspiracy Ooh, that was fast well you gotta be fast all right it may not have been successful but it was fast what are you working on these days well i just got through doing a couple of episodes of Gotham, right? Batman. Um, I um, I am, you know, still travel around with my Nevermore show. Uh, there's talk about a sequel to a movie I did a couple of years ago called Would You Rather. Oh, cool! Which is actually quite a good movie. And, check uh, it out. Check it out. And um, I just waiting for the next great good thing. Waiting to walk into a uh, recording booth, and you're there. Great. Let's do it. Let's and make we, it and happen. And we get to do a cartoon together. How about uh, that? That would be a dream. <laughs> you have no idea. You could be SpongeBob, and I'll, and I'll be Patrick. Great. I hear that they don't have anybody cast for those voices. Yeah, they, they're still searching. Yeah, well, you know, that's it. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, it. you heard it here first. We're SpongeBob and Patrick. Hey, SpongeBob. Hey there. <laughs> See? Done right. Done. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with me. A real pleasure. It has been a pleasure. It has. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back in another couple weeks with a new episode. I hope not. That was a too scary. Oh, come on. It wasn't that scary. What would you think overall, you scared mice? Opening music? Too scary. Interview? Too scary. Mr. Brett? Too scary. Fake commercial? Mm, too scary. Other interview? Also too scary. Episode... No, thank you. Too scary. All right. Later, mice. And see you guys later. 
We've got some fun guests in the works. Robert Ben Garant, Andrea Romano, and more. It's going to be great. As always, if you like the show, please rate and subscribe in iTunes. This podcast is also available on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Follow at BTAS Podcast for updates or follow at Hey Justin. More info at www.btaspodcast.com. Lastly, watch Before You Were Funny. Before You Were Funny. Funny or die before you were funny. I think you'll enjoy it. Wow, and I thought I had a long plug. Come on, get out of here. Now do you get it? Rule of threes. Comedy comes in threes. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, Casey Trela helped produce the theme song, and Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast. Thanks to my guests, Brett Bayonne and Jeffrey Combs, and to Echo Kellum and Marissa Strickland for providing voiceover for Arkham Singles, Zach Reno for playing a scared mouse, and Jace Armstrong, as always, for playing Kevin Conroy. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you to This American Life co-founder Tori Malatia, who once met me inside a McDonald's and said, Welcome to the food chain. All right, guys, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Well, not see you. I can't see you through a microphone, but you get it.